In Southeast Agnet's Ag Review for the week ending November the 18th, as expected, the outgoing Obama administration has announced a throwing in the towel regarding the Trans-Pacific Partnership or TPP trade agreement. DTN reported the White House will not seek a vote on the agreement during the lame duck session of Congress. Republican and Democratic leaders in Congress told the White House it would not advance a trade deal in the election's aftermath, and the Obama administration officials acknowledge the agreement has no path forward now in the U.S. The move comes with little surprise following the election results and remarks by House and Senate leadership earlier this year. The Obama administration had campaigned heavily in support of TPP before the elections in an effort to garner more support. Now President-elect Donald Trump is expected to withdraw from the trade deal. But U.S. Trade Representative Michael Froman said years of negotiating the Trans-Pacific Partnership were not a waste of time and the deal could still be implemented at some point. Speaking this past week at a political event on trade, Froman said aspects of TPP, if not the deal itself, should be preserved and revived down the road. He told the crowd a clear takeaway from the election results is that Americans are concerned they are on unfair playing field globally. Froman says he's hopeful the benefits of TPP will be seen over time as the rest of the world moves on. He did not go as far to say TPP is dead, but he referred to the trade deal as being in purgatory. Well, many in agriculture continue to wait and see who will be chosen for certain positions within the new Trump administration, and that includes the National Cotton Council. Here's the Vice President of Producer Affairs, Craig Brown. We're obviously going to be very interested to see who comes into the Trump administration. We were encouraged that Congress stayed in Republican hands, particularly the Senate. We were concerned about that. There's not very many Democratic Cotton Belt senators. There just isn't. Uh, and, and there's some very important positions held by Republican Cotton Belt senators and key committees that, that we're very interested in. So I think we were pleased to see that. We'll wait and see what the Trump administration has to offer. Uh, well, obviously we'll be interested in who, who fills those key positions. Secretary of Agriculture, of course. Uh, but also we're very interested in seeing uh, the regulatory agencies, particularly Environmental Protection Agency and Maybe we'll get a little uh, more common sense in that agency, hopefully. But we'll see. We're, we're anxiously waiting to see what happens there. Well, in other news, this year will set a record for U.S. meat production. But as Gary Crawford reports, that record won't stand long if USDA's forecast for 2017 turns out to be accurate. Substantial increases in meat supplies next year. That's what USDA analysts are forecasting. They're looking for turkey and broiler production to go up about 2% each, pork output to jump by almost 3.5%, beef by almost 4.5%. USDA's Outlook Board Chairman Seth Meyer says add all of those increases up and you get... In total meat production, we are up 3 billion pounds year over year, just under 3 billion pounds year over year. We increased uh, the 2017 meat production another hundred million pounds over the previous forecast so total meat output next year will be 100.4 billion pounds up three percent from this year so usda's chief economist rob johansson says as a logical result we're expecting beef hog and broiler prices to come down in 2017 steer prices this year expected to average just under 120 dollars a hundred weight although they're not that high currently next year prices only 106 and a quarter hogs will average 40 dollars a hundred weight next year down almost 12 and a half percent broilers will see a three percent price drop Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. Well, thanks to the groundbreaking LEAP study released last year, the guidelines for early introduction of peanuts to infants are changing, and pediatricians appear to be getting and embracing the message that starting children on peanut products as early as four months may help prevent allergy development. 
Tyron Spearman has the details. For a generation, pediatricians encouraged parents to hold off introducing peanuts to infants because of the concern it would promote the development of a peanut allergy. Thanks to the groundbreaking program study that released this year on guidelines for early introduction are changing. They said pediatricians appear to be getting and embracing the new message that starting children on peanut products as early as four months can help prevent allergy development. That's the net takeaway from this week's meeting of the American Academy of Pediatricians in San Francisco. They said that while at least three manufacturers are offering new products, pediatricians are telling parents they can turn to familiar options like peanut butter as well as peanut powder and peanut snacks to help. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Well, Everett Greiner talks this week about protecting pollinators. We've all read or heard about the decline of the honeybee and how important the bee is to the production of food. The honeybee is the principal pollinator of blooming plants, but it's not the only one. Any insect that flies and some that even simply crawl pollinate plants and blooms. Flies, moths, bats, yellow jackets, also lizards, even ants and worms. But the bee pollinates perhaps more plants than all the others combined. It is judged that the bee is responsible for one of every three bites of food that we consume. Now, here's something nobody ever told you. It's our responsibility to protect these pollinators, yours and mine. Use care when spraying insecticides outdoors. Follow manufacturer's directions and, wherever possible, provide habitat for pollinators. The more the people do, the better all we'll, uh, we'll all be. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Greiner, Southeast Agnet. And with Thanksgiving coming up, we wrap up this week's podcast with Kathy Isom looking into how much turkey Americans will gobble up this year and how much of the big bird you'll need to buy to feed your guests. According to the National Turkey Foundation, some 46 million turkeys will be consumed on Thanksgiving this year. In a country of nearly 325 million Americans, that's roughly one turkey for every group of seven. And about 88% of Americans say they plan to eat turkey next Thursday. And that means many of us will be buying that big bird for next week's big meal. To feed everyone a decent amount, just how big of a turkey should we buy? About a pound per person. And that will allow some second helpings, according to Marianne Gravely with the USDA's Meat and Poultry Hotline. That one pound per person is good for about a 10, 12, or 15 pound turkey, but... When you get to the the really large turkeys, like a 20 pound turkey, they actually have a greater yield, so you would actually be able to feed more than 20 people with the larger turkey. Keep in mind the time it's going to take to thaw that turkey in the recommended way in the refrigerator. A day for every five pounds. So if you buy a 20-pounder this Saturday, it should be thawed out by next Wednesday and ready to cook on the big day. If you have other questions about meal prep or food safety, call the Meat and Poultry Hotline at 1-888-MP-HOTLINE or go to askkaren.gov on the web. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.